You are listening to season three of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Welcome to the Week Pastor Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today on this brand new episode on this beautiful, beautiful sunny day in New Jersey. And I've only been here for a couple of days because I just got back from South Korea and Thailand on my beautiful 10-day excursion with my lovely wife. We had such a great time. Sua, do I look more <laughs> Korean, more more Asian? Look at my glasses. Check, okay. check out my I do lens. actually like your new glasses. Those are really nice. The, you know what? They fit your you know, face very well. Listen, it, this is it's called wine color. So it's like uh-huh. reddish, but okay. I was like, I really like it. So I got these nice glasses and I wear, I don't even want to wear my, my uh, contacts anymore because what I got also was I got prescription sunglasses and dude, these glasses, sunglasses look so nice. I love it. And so I'm like, I don't want to wear contacts. So where do you carry your prescription sunglasses in your man purse? So I'll just carry. So I got, I got a man purse in, in Korea and it's like my favorite man purse. I have huh. a few and this one was great. I got it at Namdamun and uh, oh, I use okay. that and I'm going to go everywhere I go. I'm going to carry this man purse and I'm going to put my shades in there uh, going forward. So anyway, but yeah, but I also got a pair of bifocals. And it's so it's time uh, for those. Mm. It's time, mm. but the thing, and it's exact same frame, but a different color. But um, I can't wear them. Like, but I you just, can't get it together with your actual glasses. I can. So I ended up getting this one. That's just I can just see from far away because I know it's going to take me a while to adjust to the bifocals. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I've been putting them on like for the last day or two, and I'm just so dizzy. I can't. I can't do it. So I'm realizing like. I, I probably gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do it and eventually when my eyes get really bad and I can't read anything anymore then I'm I'm gonna probably really like make an effort to to doing it but for now these suckers are gonna be uh be uh my glasses my full time glasses from now on so anyway um, can so. I can I tell you something that is gonna be borderline make you mad at me what <laughs> okay so I've been watching I just randomly was on YouTube a couple of weeks ago and you know JYP is doing. <laughs> Oh God, JYP. JYP okay. is doing um, like, a, like a reality thing on YouTube on his channel where he's trying to make a oh. K-pop band, but with people from the U.S. <clears throat> like this, mm-hmm. he's doing this like contest where. He, so anyway, I, I forgot what it's called, but I was watching it and I was watching like JYP as he's judging these girls. And like I'm looking at him and I'm like, I just feel like this weird like kinship with him. Like I feel like, like <laughs> this. Con- and I realized it's because he kind of does look like you. Oh, so it was because I kept looking at him talking and he smiles. And I'm like, uh-huh, why do uh-huh. I feel like I know this guy? You know that weird feeling of like connection? Like I don't even know this guy, but I feel like and and then it hit me. It's because there is definitely a resemblance. Yeah. I don't I can't say I don't like I don't I don't like it. I don't like that there is right. there is definitely but I don't know what it is because I'm like looking at that his episode eyes we did. Nose. I was like, like oh, I, I'm like, I don't know. Like I can't, but then there's certain like mannerisms that he has, like when he laughs. Uh-huh. So I showed it to John and John's like, oh, he totally looks like me. John, don't throw right. me under the bus, man. I didn't get over it. And you know what? Like, I actually think JYP looks so much better now than he used to when he first came out. Like, because when he first came out, everybody was like, he's a beast. But then like yeah. now, actually, he's like aging, I think, pretty well, to be honest. And so I don't think really? it's as much of an insult to say you look like him now as if what it would have been like 20 years ago. Like if someone's <laughs> if someone told you that you look like JYP 20 years ago, that's an insult. But now I think he uh, looks okay. My wife, my wife was the one who said I look like like JYP twenty years 20 ago. Yeah, okay, uh, I don't know about that. Well, like she married you. 20, 26, 27 years ago. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. 
So anyway, so yeah, the, her whole family said I look like JYP. So oh, gosh. they have a tendency to insult me on a on a on a very consistent basis. Um, so anyway, <laughs> maybe this has to be an, um, another uh, podcast episode. Boundaries yeah, with yeah. in-laws that are with in-laws insulting insult you, you consistently. Well, I mean that, but that's such that's so Korean culture, right? Like they'll just tell you, like, "Hey, you look like this, or whatever, or you're ugly and stuff like that." So that's so part okay, of. Can the we Korean not? Culture. You know what? Let's not pretend that you are not part of that um like i'm not gonna say who you said this to but there was definitely a person that you told after seeing this person's <laughs> wedding picture you told this person you were like god's blessed you with many things but he has not blessed you with looks and then the more the most funny part about this was you were telling me these you were telling me this story all like can you believe this guy he got all offended that i said that i'm just looking at you like what like what but he's so korean i'm like it's part of the korean culture but anyway so no, you're right. You were you're right. so flabbergasted that you told a guy that he was ugly and he was offended. Like you were like, "Can you believe this guy? Can you believe what the nerve, this guy, nerve of this guy to be offended the, by the fact yeah, that I said he's yeah. ugly?" <laughs> told him he had other gifts. Jeez, what's his problem? Oh my, so goodness, insecure. My goodness. Now you throw me under the bus. All right, all right, all right. Cool. Anyway, but Korea was so good, and um, Thailand was amazing as well. And when I shot that video, just to kind of you know welcome everyone for season three, I was actually in um, Myeongdong. And it was at a at, at the most famous Catholic church in Korea. And they do a lot of dramas there. Like my wife was saying, there's a very like a special location. That's where I actually shot uh, that video. It was at that church. So anyway, but it was a real great trip. And man, God's doing something in, in Korea and Asia. And I just, it just, man, it's just, there's so much energy out there. And it just, I just had such a great time out there. And I, and I was, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to minister out there at a church. I spoke there on a Sunday and, uh, and it was, it was just really great. And, like Sue, we barely made it to Korea because there were such like terrible thunderstorms on the Friday that we were flying out, and we had to make a connecting flight to San Francisco, and it was only a two-hour layover, and the flight was delayed two and a half hours. Oh, no. And Jenny and I were like, "I don't think we're gonna make this flight. Mm. We'll just see." And luckily, the pilot made up the time, and as soon as we touched down in San Francisco, we booked it to the to the next gate, which was like completely opposite yeah. of where we were. But I had to run. I I I left her behind. I'm like, honey, she. I have to leave it behind because I have to make sure they don't close the door. Okay, so I'll make sure that they don't close the door. She goes, okay, go. I just ran. I booked and I got there and I made sure they didn't close the door. We were able to get on it and thankfully we got to Korea at like four in the morning and then from there we got to the hotel on a Sunday and then I had to preach couple hours oh my after that gosh. so i was a zombie afterwards but it was so good to be at the church i was at city light uh uh city light church why in the such world a, i'm sorry hold on such why a great congregation. you schedule a preaching on the morning you arrive <laughs> no i don't know i'm a crazy dude i shouldn't have done that but you know, uh, you know but, but tell me on a scale out. of one to ten how fulfilling was it for you that you were able to make this flight knowing your brain like the fact that you made this flight, like, were you just like, wow, I, I'm amazing. Like, I'm awesome. <laughs> no, I mean, it had nothing to do with me. Like, I was just like, God, please, please. Like, I can't like COVID <laughs> distracted us from going to Korea years ago. I was like, please don't let weather now be the reason why we can't make it to Korea. And so we made it. It was such an amazing trip. And it just, you know, God is bringing people from all over Asia to Korea. Mm. And so when I went to this church, I met people from Singapore, met people from India, from, of course, from China, from all these different places. And I'm just like, what are you doing here? Like, what, why do you want to come to Korea? And a lot, a couple of them, several of them have said, well, it's all, a lot of it's because of the K-pop industry. Like, I just want to be a part 
of a country where like I watched the dramas, listen to the music. And it was just really interesting to see like how so many people from Asia now are thinking about living in Korea and they are. And it's just really neat to see what God's doing there. So anyway, it was just a lot of fun to be there. And that Thailand was great. I was out there with Scott and Christina. They treated us so well. We had an amazing time out there. And Phuket is wow. That is that is that is someplace. And uh we did an island tour and it was just so much fun. So we had a great time. So Anyway, Sounds so awesome. that was my trip to Asia. It was awesome. But I, I have an opening question before we get to our topic okay. today. And I just learned of this uh, actually last night with my children. It's great that I live with Gen Zs in my, in my home. And, so, you know, Gen Zs, are, they're just naturally lazy to actually like they like to use shortcuts for words and stuff like that. And so, like, we were having dinner and, and Christina said uh, something like she's to the effect of, oh, that's such an ick. And I'm like. What the heck is an ick? So have you heard of an ick? Yeah, it's like something that's gross. Okay. Like cringy. But, like, I don't like that. Okay, Yuck. but but it, it, it sounds but in it, the word icky. Ick. No, like, I know, but I just I just I've never heard anyone say, oh, that's an ick. Oh, that what an ick. And are you so gonna not say this? So listen, I, I I looked it up and I'm like, okay, but but Christina was saying it has to be somebody that you're attracted to and they do something that's an ick. You know what yeah, I'm saying? I mean, I don't know. I, I, so I don't know if you have to be attracted to it. Maybe it's like more about like when you're gauging somebody as like an opposite gender. And then it's kind of like, is it kind of yeah. like a red flag when you're like, oh, no. Like, yeah. So basically, know? I looked up the definition. I yeah, went okay, Give us the definition. And so it says the ick or the ick factor is the feeling you get when you're attracted to someone is suddenly flipped into a feeling. Okay, of disgust. that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. I was like, oh, okay. so Christina had it down packed. Okay. Yeah, that's like, right. So I was like, okay. So I, I would did not like realize to know, it had to be in that context. Yes. It has to be in the context of mm, you being attracted to someone. Okay. Right. Okay. So it doesn't have to be our spouses. All right. Because it's different when you're married. Right. Because mm. when you're married, we're constantly doing things to discuss each other. Right. So <laughs> anyway. What? <laughs> seriously like we don't care anymore right we don't care we'll fart we'll do whatever you know so but i want i want to know like what is your ick what is your ick like if you're attracted to a guy and they did something what would that what would the ick factor be for you and i'll answer I mean, it i'll tell you I, I think the ick factor probably is different when i was actually dating like many many moons ago versus like what it would be now because i think it's a different you know what I mean? Yeah, so like, I feel like the be... things that were icks when I was 20 are not the icks that are at 40. Uh, I will tell you a funny story, though. I went to... Okay, there but was it a cannot boy... just be for John. It cannot just be for right. John. It's got to be for there guys was a guy. There was a guy that I went on a date with to the Cheesecake Factory, like, years and years. And I think it was in high okay. school. Possibly even Daniel? in Daniel? Daniel was his name, It was right? not a Daniel. It was, like, a middle... Okay. I think it was middle school I went on a date I was very, I was very, yeah. Parents that you go on a date in middle school? Very, very advanced for my age. Very sophisticated. So that's why we went to the Cheesy Factory because we're, we're like, you know, the pinnacle of sophistication here. That's where people who are sophisticated go dine at the Cheesy Factory. Wait, so your mother drove you to, or his mother drove you to Mm -hmm. Cheesecake Factory? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And uh, we were ordering and he ordered, ordered the Da Vinci pasta and I checked out immediately. Why? Because I cannot be in a relationship with a man who does not know who Da Vinci is. <laughs> That's very ick. You are so legalistic, man. Being legalistic. Da Vinci, even if you don't know who the artist is, you should at least oh know like, 
Oh, come on. You should at least know that was, the Ninja Turtles, an Leonardo an da Vinci. You. Okay. Um, okay. You should also at least know the Da Vinci Code. It was a very popular best-selling yeah. book in America. Wait, wait. So what? how did he pronounce it? Da Vinci. <laughs> I was like, no. So, uh, <laughs> I was on, like, next. You're middle school. You got to give him a break. I don't know. So should I, it? though? Should yeah. I, though? I mean... Wait, so, Sue, that was it? That was it? You ended the date and, like, it, like after the I dinner? Think like it fizzled you never... out. What does an eighth-grade relationship really look like anyway? It's not like you're actually in a real relationship. Wow. Do you know what I mean? I, that's your ick, huh? So, I think when I was younger, it was a lot of... Um, <clears throat> Like things like that. Like it was a lot of, um, it wasn't like relational icks. It was more like me looking at this person and being like, you're an idiot. Or, you know, like, how do you not know what substitutionary atonement is? Well, exactly. Ick. I was going to just Ick. say that with John. Ick. I'm like, you know, exactly um, when you went on a date. Yeah, but like things like that were probably because I was like a freaking snoot. Like I just did not. Exactly. A, very snobby. Um, which is ironic because I don't even consider myself to be that learned or like smart anyway, but I think I want, I think I aspired to be. And so I couldn't be with somebody who would, you know, bring me down. Cause I was already, I don't have much space to be brought down to. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I need somebody to bring me up, not bring me down. (laughs) Oh oh my gosh. Wow. That, that is something. Okay. But I I remember really like that feeling of like, oh my God, no. Like immediately I was like, I was out. Like I had checked out. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, I have two. Okay. So uh, one is, I, I don't think this is an ick for me anymore, but when I was like a kid, uh, probably like in middle school, like you, um, I saw this and, and I, people are probably going to write hate mails for me about it, but I got to share with you. Okay. <laughs> there was this girl. I was really like, I thought she was beautiful and, and very tall, like very tall. And you know, in gym class, you're out in the track and you gotta you gotta do sprints and they gotta yeah. time you and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And when I saw her run, this tall woman run. Does she run like Phoebe? She looks so goofy. Yeah. <laughs> she looks so goofy. I looked at her and I was like, okay, I am not attracted to you anymore. I can't. You know, okay, the hold way on. She was running. Can I say something about was that? Just, her limbs are just too long. Like people who are that tall should not be sprinting. They should not be sprinting. Huh? No, I don't sprint, but like, just, it's just, I mean, like, or at least try. I tell you, that was an ick moment for me. I was like, I was in middle school and I was like, okay, I'm not attracted to you anymore. Can I go a little bit deeper and ask, like, do you think it has something to do with, like, was it like a projection? Like, was it something about, like, you (laughs) being tall? You you have previously said things like, oh, you wish you could be a good dancer, but your limbs are just too long to dance well. And so, you know. That's the other thing. Another um... ick. Tall people should not be dancing. We should not be allowed to dance because our limbs are so long. Have you seen some of these um, Instagram videos of Shaq dancing? Have you seen Shaq dance? No, I don't know what is on your algorithm, but I have never been shown a video of Shaq dancing. Shaq was dancing with like a couple guys. I just, I think I saw this yesterday and he's got no business dancing. He's too big, too long. He's going to end up hitting somebody, you know, by doing these moves. But anyway. It's true though, because I also remember I was watching this JYP um, competition. JYP is pretty tall, right? Well, yes. And he he has very long limbs. In fact, he has like orangutan arms. Like his arms are so long, but he dances well. And in the, now that I'm an expert on judging K-pop future trainees, he always talks about how long limbs make the lines look better. Like the lines of the dances look better. And so So you say that, but I I couldn't be a good dancer because my limbs are super short. 
I'm like a stubby no, no. So person. I, I stand curl. I stand corrected. Okay. Here, here, here's, here's what I'll say. If you're tall and you can move and you can dance, I think it'll be fine. But when you can't dance and you're tall, it looks ridiculous. <laughs> when you're short and you can't dance, you mean you, it looks extra ridiculous. It looks extra it ridiculous. Looks cute. When short people dance, it looks and they can't dance. It looks true. cute. But when tall people dance and they can't dance, it's it's like stop it. No more. Like this, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So anyway, or that's, sprint. That's or okay. if tall people who are not athletic try to sprint, that's another ick. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's an ick. But okay, so the other ick that I think I have is I don't I don't like it when when um when there's when people men do this as well, but I'll just say for with women, when they put on like a fake voice, when they're just so fake, they're like, how are you doing today? Everything is good. Yeah. Oh, everything is good. Oh, good. And they're just so upbeat. And when I lived in LA, that happened a lot, you know, and stuff like maybe just, that's just, just their voice. Up. No, it's not. How do you Trust know? Trust me. It's not. Man. It's not. And I see it. And sometimes I see it in some people. I don't see it a lot. But when I see it, I'm just like, it's an ick for me. It's an ick. Because it's, that's one of the things I like being in New York. Everyone's just, a majority mm -hmm. of the people are just very, no, they don't like it. They'll tell you. They don't like being, you know, they don't like being fake and stuff like that. Uh, it's one of the, I think, good qualities of New York. Sometimes it can be bad, right? You can get cursed out. But I like the fact that in this area, people are trying to be more real. But in other parts of the country, like if you go down south, I was, I was going to call you bro. Sue, if you go down south. It's okay. Like, it wouldn't be the first time. My kids call me bro all the time. It's it's I, it's Ickville for me. It's Ickville. So anyway, so. I mean, I'm trying to, because, you know, I, I what about like when girls try to be cute and they have this kind of like, like, you know, the Korean, in Korean, it's called ego. It's like when you're trying to be cute, they have like this baby voice. No, I don't. So that gets to me a little too much. Yeah, they got to chill, man. They got to chill don't like with it. that. No, no, they got to chill. They got to chill with that. Yeah, that baby voice stuff. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Oh, you yeah. know what? I will tell you an ick that I have. That's an ick. Um, That's an ick. I have an ick. I, I bet you people are listening to this, like Gen Z. I can't you know is, this word. Is, I, like, I, no, I guess I, know I didn't know because... Ick, no, I guess I didn't like, know. I didn't know it was in that context okay. at all. Yeah. But I'll tell you one. It's when people are mean to, like, service providers... Like, especially seen if you go to a restaurant on a date and oh. the person is a complete dick to, like, the server. Yeah. Like, that really yeah. is, like... That's no. an ick. Yeah, that yeah. is just, like, I cannot. Like, that... Because yeah. that's, like, fundamentally, you're just not being a decent human being. Um, mm. And that, I feel like, is a red flag for me. But thankfully, nice. I don't have to deal with it anymore because hopefully I will not... And John has forbidden me from ever remarrying, so it's not like I'll ever go back to the dating field if anything <laughs> ever happens to John. So... You know, wow, yeah, those days okay. are far beyond me now. So, if you're anything, me, say, behind so me if now. you're anything like me, uh, you learned a new like Gen Z idiom, ick, right? I'm ick, so hopefully, you'll be able to use that, um, you know, in your vocabulary when you're meeting somebody and you're attracting, like, oh, I had an ick moment with this person. That'd There's cool, no so. context for me that will be ever relevant where <laughs> I would use this. You, it could be John. It could be actually. We could use it. Like it could be Jenny doing it. Having what am I gonna thing. do? It's ick. But then I'm stuck. I'm stuck. Yeah, with you're him. stuck. Like, no matter right. what, you're stuck. You're stuck, right? You're stuck. So anyway, so Christina was saying that in regards to me and Jenny, because when is when I was in Korea, I think I oh, I tripped. I I almost fell. 
again. So we had um, it was raining and we had these umbrellas and uh, the hotel let us borrow umbrellas and I was just kind of like I was holding both of them and I was just stomping them on the ground as I'm walking, kind of using it like as a cane, trying to be cool. And I tripped over it. I almost fell. And so like Jenny just has such a she's like, you made my morning. It was she she was crying. And then Christina said, there's something you know what? I uh, Not to knock. Christina said that was an ick. That's when that's when I was like, oh, what's an ick? There's something funny about tall people falling. Like, <laughs> yeah, she has so, the way she was laughing. I was like, thank God I didn't fall, but I but I tripped. I tripped, and luckily I didn't go down. I'm so grateful about that. But anyway, oh so yeah. Oh my gosh! So, that is... And then Christina was like, "Well, that that's it. That's an ick," and I was like, "Oh, oh what's an ick?" And so um, we're talking about sorry, it. completely unrelated, but just because if you ever want to think about a real ick when you're getting like when you're living together, and I've mentioned this before, but nobody in this household except for me cleans up after themselves like nobody. Okay, <laughs> three out of four people in this family do not clean up after themselves. They're slobs. Some are yeah. more slobby than others, but they're all slobs. <laughs> but so I finally instituted this law in my house like two weeks ago, I okay. said, everybody gets three strikes. And then something that is dear to them will be taken away that weekend. If you do if you get more than three strikes and it, the things that are included in the strikes are leaving your socks in random places okay. not bringing your plate up after you eat um yes. let's see what else like leaving like snack wrappers around the house uh, like things yeah. like this like so things that are very basic i'm not talking about like big things i'm talking about cleaning up after yourself yeah. okay yeah so john lila and audrey all have this law now they're under this law okay nice but the most ridiculous so, part about it is nobody has survived the three strikes so far everybody has passed three strikes every week well wait, so what have you what have you taken away from well, them no so i had i had threatened lila and audrey i take away their ipads for the weekend because they only get to use their ipads on the weekends yeah so i told them if you get three strikes like um you you can't have ipad for the yeah. rest of the week yeah. Like for the weekend. But then it was Monday and they were already at like two strikes and it was starting to look like really bleak for them. But if they don't have their iPads, they bother me. Like if, if I give them the wait, iPad, wait. they'll... You can't, you can't go back on a punishment. No, you so I, I would through, be girl. like, I would kind of... I, so I started picking up after them a little bit so that they wouldn't know because oh. I didn't want... But but here's... No, but here's what is funny. I'll You're tell you what's funny. Them. The other day, right? Audrey had left her plate after she finished eating dinner. She left her plate at the table and I see John go, psst, psst, Audrey, Audrey, your plate. And I go, excuse me, excuse me. And then John goes, Audrey, we got to look out for each other. <laughs> wait, wait, but John failed too? John failed? John's been failing pretty consistently. Okay, so what did you take away from him? I, I don't know, PP. Okay, like, I, well, I, you know, my so point clearly, is... Clearly, you haven't thought out the punishments. I you don't, gotta... I'm not worried. Okay, so here's the thing. I'm not as concerned about John not getting his three strikes yeah. because he's a fully formed man. Like he's not my yeah, responsibility. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just don't kids. want my children to grow up becoming slobs. So my intention is not to punish them. My intention is trying to build a habit of cleaning up after themselves. John just is under the law because it has to be consistent. I can't be like, everyone has to do it, but daddy doesn't have to do it. That's not right. Oh, so that's so the only reason why he has to do it to set a model. I have a great, I have a great punishment for your kids. If they do oh, this again, because you're not going to follow through with the iPad. You're just not going to follow. Yeah, through. It's a punishment for me, actually. Yeah. So you're good. So a, a good punishment could be you're going to make them a really like a meal they don't want to eat. <laughs> like just say, you know what? We're just going to have salad. That's it. No dressing. I love salad. Just vegetables. That's it. Nothing. No dressing. Nothing. Just raw salad. That's it. 
That seems um, like cruel and unusual punishment. No. And if you don't want to eat it, you don't got to eat it. So that, that'll be a good enough, like, an impetus for them to say. Oh, okay, we, we by the way, I have a that. bone to pick. This is like 10 years what? behind, but I, it suddenly occurred to me as you're talking about the nasty food. There was one time I ran into you at Shake Shack in Paramus. Um, and it was when really? Lila maybe was like three, I think. And John oh. and I were eating burgers and Lila was eating fries, like cheese fries. And you oh, looked at her God. and you said, and you said, what kind of parents are you? All she gets to eat is fries. You guys eat burgers and all she eats is fries. What, what kind of nutritious food is that? And you judge me. But I just want to say for the record, <laughs> uh, that week I went to your house and Christian was eating a bowl of plain pasta with no sauce, no cheese, no, no, nothing. no. For the record, at least my child was eating vegetables and dairy. I don't know what your child <laughs> was eating. No, Christian likes butter. He likes butter mm-hmm. pasta. That's what we I don't see him. how that's any more nutritious than eating French fries with cheese. Yo, but you know, that's, that is messed up because that, that again, that takes you back to the Costco days when you gave her a crust and you no, ate but the this is She didn't want to eat a burger. She just oh. wanted cheese fries. Okay. Okay. But yeah, I, right. I've I've been holding on to that <laughs> grudge this whole time, so I could oh bring it up goodness. in this very moment. Yeah, I just again, like when you bring up these stories, I'm like, what did I say? What did I say? Yeah, I'm that's right. I'm actually quite curious. You judged my parenting. You judged my parenting. <laughs> yeah. You're you're a great mom. You're a great mom. Okay, well, we gotta get to our topic, and the topic <laughs> that we're gonna be talking about today is something I don't want to talk about. I really don't because, and I'll and I'll share why because we want to do a show, an episode on when is it time for me to leave my home church when i say home church i'm talking about the church that you attend currently okay so when is it time for me to leave my home church i think it's an important question to wrestle with and and uh, and i want to kind of talk about especially because sua has some experience in it as well but i think people contemplate this and the reason why i'm a little I'm, i'm a little hesitant to talk about this is like I don't, I know people from Metro who listen to this. I want them to be like, oh shoot, maybe it's time for me to leave Metro. That's the last thing I want. So all I would say is, no pastor wants to want wants anyone to leave their church, right? That's the thing that we don't like. We, it hurts every time when somebody says to me, "Hey, I I think it's time for me to to move on." Um, Does you know, it I really support- though? There was never a time when, be honest, there was never a time when somebody said, "I'm going to leave," and you were like, "Finally." <laughs> I'm just what? I'm just asking. Like, is it really a blow every time? Like, you want to keep every single person? No, I wouldn't say it's a blow every time. But it's, it's. I would say 90% of the time, mm-hmm. it's sad. You don't want to lose people in the church yeah. and you want yeah. it to stay. You know, but at the same time, I always thought, you know what? Like, if you're leaving for the right reasons, I bless it. Like, really, I, I do bless it. If you're leaving for the wrong reasons, it makes me really sad, you know, I think. And so that's, that's why I feel like it might be good to talk about like, when is it the right time for me to leave my church that I'm currently attending? And I think, unfortunately, you know, we have a we have a problem where people leave the church too often. Uh, commitment in the church is really lacking. But I do also know that on the flip side, there are just some people that are just so faithful and committed to the church. And thank you for that. But also, I think there are moments when we have to say, hey, you know what? I don't think this is the right community for me anymore. And so we kind of want to talk about that a little bit. And Sue, I know since you've left Metro, you've been, you know, you've kind of visited different churches and you've made decisions to leave different churches for some certain reasons. So I thought maybe we can talk about it. But before we do that, what what I thought we could maybe start with is this. What are some reasons not to leave your current church? Okay. What are some reasons that you should not leave your current church? Because I think that's an important question to first 
sort of answer before we talk about what are some of the things that we should think about and uh, perhaps maybe leave our leave our home church. So, yeah. So I want to kind of talk about that. What are some things that should not be a factor of why you should leave your church? I don't know. Any thoughts on that, Sua? Well, okay. But before we get to that, though, I, I do think it begs this question of, and I keep thinking about it because like every Sunday, okay, not every Sunday, but like sometimes on Sundays, my kids will be like, we don't want to go to children's service. We just yeah. want to sit in the adult service. We don't like the children's service. It's boring. You know, like, why can't we just do, you know, like even now once in a while they will, you know, they just want to wow. sit with me in church service, you know? And, hmm. um, I have to keep saying, I have to literally at this point, I sound like a broken record. Cause I'll be like, why do we go to church? Like, why do we go to church? And they say to worship God. So do we go to church to have fun? Is that our motivation to go to church? No. Mm. Like, do we go to church for me? It's like, well, yes, but it's to worship God. Exactly. So stop complaining. And yes, I'm being a little bit like cut and dry here, but I'm trying to drill sure. into them this idea that like church is not there to serve my needs and my entertainment yeah. like desires. That's like right. that is not the That's purpose good. of church. And I think mm. it's important to start with this understanding of, okay, what what is your expectation of the church? Like what, when you, what do you want? Like, what do you think the church, like what purpose does a church serve for you? Because I think the yeah. answer to that question may explain a lot of the reasons why people leave or stay at a church. You know what I mean? That's, that's fantastic. Absolutely. It's absolutely like recently. Fantastic. I think JD Greer, who I think, is he still the, he's not the president of the SBC anymore. Right. He was for a while. He had know. tweeted something yeah. kind of controversial and people were going back and forth. And he had some he had basically said something. I think he had tweeted it or he I think he tweeted it or he said it during his church service and they recorded it and put it out on Twitter. But basically he was like exhorting all these people saying like all of you congregation members who leave right after a sermon, like what do you think? this is like this is like do you think mm. that a sermon is basically like entertainment is this a movie theater you leave before the credits yeah, like yeah. so he and the thing is like the reason why it was controversial was not because people necessarily disagreed with what he said but i think a lot yeah. of the reason why there was controversy was because people were like okay but who made the church who do you think is responsible for making the church into an entertainment into like a movie it's not all the congregation members some of the responsibility lies with the ways yeah, churches absolutely produce their and their services in general it kind of creates an atmosphere where it feels to the congregation member that it is like a movie yeah. theater or it is like an ex entertainment like an experience mm -hmm. like an entertainment experience yeah. and the reason why i go back to that is because i think before i try to answer the question of like is this the right church for me like should i leave like should i go whatever i think first and foremost i have to try to figure out like what do i expect from a church like what is yeah. my expectation for a church like what do you think uh, so, you know, we talk about this a lot, actually, among staff members. Uh, um, and David Hosang always has a great way of just kind of sharing his own thoughts on this. And 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 I couldn't agree with him more. You know, at the end of the day, church shouldn't necessarily be a place where you can you go there and say, what can I get from it? Mm. Uh, our mindset has to be, what can I give? Because you go there to give your worship to God. You go there to give yourself to him and 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 to be with a body of believers. So it's really about giving rather than receiving. And I think, unfortunately, the problem with so many of us today is that we usually go to church with a mindset of what can I get from this place? What can I receive from it? And I get it. And, and I'm not saying that's that's that that's a bad thing necessarily, but it shouldn't be primary, right? That shouldn't be. When that becomes your primary thing, 
then you're just going to be a, a sort of a church shopper. Your commitment's not going to be there. You're just going to go there for what you get. When you don't get anymore, you're going to leave and go to another place. And that is an er thing that I want to discourage our audience from uh, because your commitment to a church is a reflection of your commitment to God, all right? Because Jesus is the head of the church. And so it's important for us to see that. And it's important for us to set ourselves up and being part of a, a congregation that we connect well with. But our commitment to the church is a reflection of our commitment to God. It really is. And so we have to be reminded of that and see that as such. And so any event, yeah, but but um, but that should be, at least for me as a pastor, uh, that would be my wish for everyone, that we would go to church, not primarily see what I can get from it, but what, what I can give. Like, how can I go there to worship my God and give my worship to God and be with a group of people that I can start doing life with and get to know and be a part of the body where I can worship together with. But it's this idea of giving, not getting. Right. Getting is important, I think, but it can't be primary. But unfortunately, I think today it's really primary as opposed to um, secondary. So that's kind of what I would say about that. Any thoughts on you? No, I completely agree. And I think, you know, maybe to answer, to pivot and like answer your question from before, because um, we can just like take turns. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess something that happens a lot is maybe like conflict with somebody in the church. Yes. And then you cut, I think this increasingly becomes more of a problem with the younger, I don't want to like be judgy, but I do think the younger of a generation you are, the less, like the more conflict averse we are. Um, mm -hmm. And so we, I think we just don't know how to resolve conflict. And I think that's yeah. just like a human problem, but I think it's become more pronounced with the younger generations because a lot of times, you know, we kind of live behind our technology or we kind of, you know, do things through passive aggressive emails. Like we haven't really developed yes. the right coping mechanisms to do, you know, um, person to person, like actually meeting conflict resolution. And so immediately when you have a, like a conflict with someone, your instinct is to avoid the conflict. Right, right. And the course, easiest way to do that is because, you know, you go to church and you, you don't want to see that person. Like you don't want to see that person mm. on the other side of the room. Like you're, it's awkward. So you just yeah. like, I guess I'll just go to a different church. You know, um, I mean, do you I'm sure this happens, right? Because you probably well, know this is the well, actually, on, on churchleaders.com. Um, I actually did a little Google this oh, morning. And research. that is the that is the number one reason why people leave the church. Conflict? They leave their home church it is relational conflict mm. with members in the church. It is absolutely the number one reason. And I couldn't agree more. And I think that that is the one thing that you cannot do. Uh, that is the one uh, thing that you can't use and say, you know what, I'm, I'm leaving because I can't get along with this person anymore. Uh, like, this is a family. This is your family. And you got to work on these relationships no matter what. And I just think, yeah, we live in a cancel culture today, and we don't like working through conflicts. But I think so much of what people misunderstand, they don't realize is that, like, I don't want to seem insensitive here, but, like, it's a gift. It's a gift to have conflicts with people in your church. It's a gift because there's an opportunity where God can help you to grow in understanding their brokenness in some ways. It doesn't make what, what they did to you might be right or wrong, mm -hmm. but hopefully you can grow in deeper understanding so that you can still learn to love them. You don't have to necessarily be their best friend anymore, 
but you but you got to be able to work through that and it helps you to grow it helps you to deepen your character your humility and your integrity as a person and so these moments that sometimes we these relational conflicts that we use as excuses to leave the church it's really sad because then what happens is that whenever you go to another church you're always going to have relational conflicts because anytime you want to get close to somebody there's going to be conflict there's always going to be conflict in relationships and if we can't learn to work through that then I think in some ways it shows that we are not willing to persevere and, and deepen our understanding and our, our, um, our relational desire to want to be in, in a relationship with somebody who is a follower of Jesus Christ. And so to me, it's sad when people leave that way. And when people leave, and I know that that's the reason why they're leaving, I, I'll accept it, but I don't bless it. Because I just I, I know that it's not going to be something that they're going to be able to grow from. When you leave a church because you don't get along with some people in the church, you're never going to grow from that experience. And so I think it's really important to see if you can work it through. Now, it's different in the sense if it's leadership abuse, that's mm. different, right? Because then yeah. that's like a pastoral abuse upon you or a leader's abuse. That's really different. I'm just talking about some people you don't get along well with, maybe somebody you liked, you want to date them, but another girl, you know, another per another person came along and they started dating. And now you don't like that person. You want to leave the church like that kind of stuff. Like emotionally, sometimes we're like little children and we don't know how to deal with that. And the only way we deal with it is leaving. And that to me is, is probably the thing that I would say is that that is not a good enough reason to leave. In fact, if you can learn to work through that and learn to love that person, what that can do is really help you to grow in your character and your integrity and also your ability to build healthy relationships with other people. Because if you can't learn to get along with people that you don't get along well with, you're not going to be successful in life. I just You're not going to be able to like move forward in life and anything that you do because we have to learn to be able to be in some level of relationships with people we don't necessarily get along well with. We do that in our relationships with our family. Like I know there's people you don't get along well mm -hmm. with, like your aunts, your uncles, or maybe your cousins, but you still got to figure it out, right? You still got to figure out your siblings. You still got to figure out how you can be, you know, how you can still be family. And I just think that that is the thing that, that that's missing. And I don't think that's a good enough reason to leave a church is saying, you know what? I don't like some of these people and I just got to get away from that. That to me is really a, a childish way to respond and to leave a church. Well, I think that's interesting though, because I, I do think there's this trend that I've seen in on the internet recently, or even like books that are published towards like younger generations. There's this kind of trend where people say, well, if it's not serving you and it's toxic, then you should leave it. Um, and it, it pertains also to family members. Like I've, I, I'm not, and you know what? Like I am not saying that you need to stick by your family members no matter what, because I also think that's a very dangerous message. There are some really genuinely abusive um, yes. relationships within the family domain that probably are better left if you kind of leave that kind mm. of relationship. But I, I don't know. There's some. I feel like there's something dangerous though to preach it as if this is like the mo like if if you feel like it's not serving you like this is like a phrase i hear a lot like yeah. if it's not serving you if it's not giving you value then you can just leave it um and i i just feel like that's such a dangerous kind yeah. of thing because we can distort yeah. that to mean so many different things for ourselves and in the church context um i guess i do like that analogy that you're bringing with like the family and the church because in a family though i think for the most part we still err on the side of trying to make it work yeah. so, because yeah. you have to, because you're kind of stuck. Um, and so 
you it really takes I feel like a lot for the person to kind of be like I really don't know if this is working versus mm. in a church I do see this much easier um kind of moving out approach where it's like well you know there are plenty of church churches in my area like this is not the only right. one that I'm married right. to whereas I guess you don't have that option with like a family like the family yeah. that you have is the family that you have versus if for a church a lot of people are like well there's like 20 different churches in my county so I don't I'm not bound to this one yeah. and I think that's a very um I don't think that's the right perspective to have. Like if you've committed to a home church and that is your that is your family. And I think we should yep. err on the side of trying to make it work rather than Absolutely. erring on the side of I'm out. You know, like that's it. I'm out. You know? Um and there's gonna be people yeah. in your family that you're not gonna like. You know, like you're just it just it just happens that way, but it's okay. Um, you know, it's you just gotta keep moving forward and and stay committed and you can learn so much. Um, God can do it, like, at least for me, and I can only speak from personal experience, I have learned and grown so much from my relationships with people that I don't like and I don't get along well with. God has done deep work in me through that over the years, uh, being at Metro, being at other churches. Like, there's just something like that, that, that kind of suffering in some ways. Like Paul says in Romans, it builds perseverance and character and character and hope and hope, you know, takes away all our shame. It's important for us to realize that, you know, the only way that, God can a lot of times form us and make us is when we're in relationships with people, but also in those relationships with people that are hard, that we don't get along well with. There's something deep that God can do in our lives when we can start to learn and understand somebody's brokenness and say, I love you and I forgive you. Like there's something so beautiful about that because reconciliation is that powerful. But anyway, so I, I that's all I would say is that these, I think those are invitations for you us to grow many times so that we can grow in understanding. And I've said this before, not on this podcast, but I've said this on the pulpit. But I said the reason why God loves us so unconditionally is because He understands our brokenness. Like mm -hmm. He really understands our brokenness through the person of Jesus Christ. He came and He was He was a human being for 33 years. And so because he understands the level of our brokenness, God just loves us so unconditionally, right? If God didn't understand us, he would kill us. He would kill us because he would his love would cease. But because he understands the level of our brokenness, he loves us and loves us unconditionally. I think that's so important for us as Christians that when we meet people in the church and we're in relationships, sometimes we get hurt and things like that. Like it's an invitation, I think, for us to grow in deeper understanding, really relying upon the love of God and saying, God, I need you to help me to love this person because I don't have the capacity to do it. And God will help you, I think, to understand the level of brokenness in a way where you can where you can be in a place where you can love them and be in a relationship with them. You don't have to like them and be best friends with them, but you can still actually be in a relationship where you always want the best for them. And that that's the that's the important thing that I think we forget in church. That these are the things that God wants us to learn and grow in. And the people that irk us or bother us the most, sometimes we realize that these are the people that we need in our lives so that we can grow and grow and grow as leaders and grow as Christians. Christians and grow as a disciple. Like if we can't do that, then I don't know how how we can even you know trick ourselves into believing we can become a mature follower of Jesus Christ. If we can't learn to operate and learn to love people that we don't get along well with, um, I just don't think we can go far in our faith in our in our in our discipleship with God because we have to we have to learn to forgive. We have to learn to move forward and things like that. And so I just think like that's the that's the place. Church is a place where you can encounter and experience those things and um, and it can help you to grow in it. So I don't like it when people leave the church because they don't get along with some people. I think that to me, it hurts and it makes me sad. 
Um, and I only see it being a sad thing because I think the people will end up doing that on a regular basis with churches that they don't end up liking eventually. Because if you leave because you don't like somebody or some people have hurt you, then chances are when you go to another church, that's going to happen again. And it's going to, you're going to end up leaving there and then go to another church. And that's just not, that's not, that's not what God wants. So anyway. Here is, how about we do it this way? I'll give you one. And then you, we can talk about whether we think that's a good reason or a bad reason. Okay. <laughs> because I have a bunch that I can't, they're gray. Like for in my mind, they're like gray. So, okay. So for example, I'll give you an example and you tell me what you think. Okay. okay. And I realize there's a conflict of interest here for you, <laughs> but um, we'll see. So how about if somebody's like, I genuinely do not like the preaching and it's not necessarily that they're saying i don't agree theologically like like heretically like i don't I, I think it's like theologically like heretic or anything like that it's more like i just don't vibe with the preaching like it's just not my thing and i just have heard much better preachers and i'm gonna go find the better preacher what do you think about that that's number two that's number two in church oh, i'm so good at this you're really good <laughs> you're really good at this uh, it's uh, new, weak new preaching. Thing. So, this is my new thing. Weak pre relational conflict is one. Number two is weak preaching. Congregation will put up with a lot of poor leadership, but many, especially young people, will not will, will not long sit under poor leadership, mm -hmm. poor preaching. What so, um, uh, yeah. uh, you know, for me, that's a little different. I think, um, you know, because you know, I, I do feel like a big part of church is actually uh, being blessed and hearing and being impacted by the Word of God. And so I don't think that should be the only reason why you leave the church, but I can understand if it's one of other reasons that might be substantial uh, for you to leave the church. But I don't like I don't think that if the if the preaching is so bad and you can't handle it, like I don't, I don't know if that's that's a good enough reason to say, well, you know what, I'm going to leave now because uh, the church has to be more than just a preacher and just the preaching of the word. Right. And again, it's great when somebody's gifted to do it. But again, it's it's important to be committed to a church because. If you're just going for the preaching, then you're not going to be committed to the church, right? It just, it's just not. I mean, like the reality is, is that when Tim Keller was not preaching at Redeemer, the great Tim Keller, um, the great, uh, the late Tim, Tim, how do you the say great, it? The late, the great the, the, and late, the great, late, the great and late Tim yes. Keller. Um, everyone came for his preaching, but when he didn't preach that Sunday, a huge number of people just would, would walk out. And that's why he, when he, on Sundays, he would never tell people if he wasn't preaching. So every they had to mm -hmm. basically create this 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 idea that he's preaching every yeah, Sunday. Yeah. And so when he's not, people would literally get up and walk out. That is wrong. That is wrong. Because again, you're going there for the mindset of what can I get from this place? Right. It's really about what you can give. I think that's important. Um, you know, and stuff. So yeah, you know, like I think there are a lot of great gifted communicators. And unfortunately, because of that, you know, it creates this thing of like, I need to go and I need to get something out of it. And I totally get it. But I don't think that's a, a good enough reason to be the, to say, you know what, I got to leave this place. I can't, I can't get anything. Now, if the pastor is preaching bad theology, then I do think that's a good enough yeah. reason to say, yeah. I need to move on. Because if you guys do not agree theologically, then that is a legit reason to move on. And then that's huge. In my opinion, that's huge. And uh, and I think for you, Sue, that was kind of uh, a big part of why you left some of your churches, like in in the past in North Carolina and stuff like that, well, because theologically you didn't you you and the pastor disagreed, right? 
to be fair, I only left one church. I, I left the okay. church in North Carolina because we moved. Um, and I left yes. Metro because I really didn't like the senior pastor. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, but I, I only left one church um, because okay. of like right. an actual reason that was not like yeah. geographical distance. And it, I don't yeah. know if I would say it was a, it was um, a theological disagreement. I, it was more for me. And you know what? This might be a third point. Like for me, it was concerning after I, I spoke to the pastor. So I did not, I actually did mm. not want to leave the church. I emailed yeah. the pastor because I didn't want to leave the church because I right, wanted right. to have like, you know, it could have been much easier. Cause at that point, like I, I could have just been like, you know what? Like, I don't like what they did. Like, I'm just going to leave. But actually mm -hmm. it was more like, I really wanted to stay. So I reached out after like a week of wrestling with it. I reached out to the pastor um, and asked about something like clarification about something that like they had, they had not mentioned um, something. So anyway, the reason why I actually ended up leaving was the thing that actually really kind of put it on my heart was when he said he didn't know, he 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 expressed to me confusion about who, who to listen to because he was yeah. like, I get these emails every week from people telling me, talk about this political thing, talk about this political thing, talk about this. Why aren't you talking about this issue? And yeah. Sua, like he was like, I'm just so confused like it's like who am I supposed to listen to like it's just so confusing and you know what like I feel kind of like a jerk now putting it that way because I, it could have just been a moment of vulnerability and I appreciate vulnerability in my leaders um and I am not saying that God is not using this pastor like I mean like I said this pastor was one of the best preachers I have ever heard he yeah. he was like anointed like he was so good um but I guess going to the point of like a good preaching isn't enough for me it was um it just shook something in me. Like, I don't know if I can be under the leadership of a pastor who doesn't know where he stands on certain things. And it's given that the church was so large at the time and continuing to explode. And it has since continued to explode. Um, like it's like thousands of people now. I just didn't, I didn't know if I could trust a leader who was telling me, especially in that context of 3,000, 4,000 members, I don't know who to listen to. Um, yeah. Because th that just felt very um unstable for me right right that so i don't know if that was like a theological disagreement so no it was a it, it was it was a theological but it was really a value right a value that you you yeah. wanted to see in a church and also in a senior pastor and they didn't and he didn't have it and as a result of that you know you decide to leave the church absolutely legit to me that's totally legit if if you have a value or and it's a theological value because for you it was really about justice right it was about mm -hmm, justice mm -hmm. which is something you're very passionate about um, if that's your theological value and and the church that you attend is not really preaching that or doesn't value that, then I think that's an absolute legitimate way to leave the church. It really is. And so I think that is uh, totally legit. And that's why, you know, like you never told me you were going to leave the church. We didn't, I don't think we really talked back then. Uh, but I mean, I, I think that is the right way to leave the church. So, yeah. So, but weak preaching, like, you know, bad preaching. Um, I just I don't think that's a legit reason to leave a church. Yeah, I don't think that's a legit reason. Because it goes church. to the whole question, like you said about you know in the beginning, you said what can you give versus what can you yeah. get. Um, yeah. And I guess that's why I think about. Um, and I know we have different seasons in our lives when we can't always serve. And I know we all sound like broken records saying like you need to get plugged in, like you need to serve. But I think there is something about serving that makes you shift your perspective very organically from mm. I go to church to sit there and 
critique the worship songs and critique the pastor's preaching. And then I leave to, I went and I served this particular demographic or I served in this particular way and I worshiped God. Like, I think it serving really does shift it in a very natural, organic way without having to constantly be like, my heart should be this way. My heart should, like, it naturally does that. Like you go, you serve and you naturally feel like, you know what? Like I, I was part of the body today. Like I served. And I think that's why, um, you know, it, 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 and it also simultaneously keeps you feeling like you're not just like a spectator, you know, um, Mm. you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's much harder because all of us, like I said, even for me, my instinct is to check out and be like, why do I, to avoid uncomfortable situations. But I do feel like when you do serve in some capacity or a part of like a, like a ministry, um, you, there's another layer of check for you before you decide to leave because you kind of need to um, leave your post or like leave your, um, so, and you, you are accountable to that ministry leader. Right. And so um, for, for those of us like me, who are who you know more like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna leave like maybe i should just leave having that extra layer of protection of like i need to now have a conversation with somebody who knows me who's seen me in this capacity where i say "Uh, i kind of want to leave like you can't just leave right like if you're serving for example in the kids ministry you can't just up and leave like you have like certain commitments that you've made i think they kind of tie you and hold you and you know what like in this world you might say it should be about your heart like if your heart's not there you shouldn't do it but i don't really know if that's how it works because there's certain reasons why um commitments are there and i think the commitments hold you to your word and it reminds you why you should try to make it work or at least err on the side of making it work before you automatically just check out you know i mean this is kind of like not the topic of what we're talking about today but i think you know having some having become somebody who recently has gotten back into serving because i wasn't serving for a really long time and then now i'm like been plunged into kids ministry even though i said i don't like kids i don't know (laughs) um but it definitely gives you a different (laughs) feel for like going to church like now it, it feels very different going to church because um, I don't automatically say, oh, I wonder what the topics for preaching is going to be today. Yeah. I automatically am thinking, how am I going to serve my kids today? And it's a yeah. very, very different mindset. You Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. It really yeah. is. It's a completely different mindset. And I do think that that's really key for us to be reminded of is this idea of understanding what am I giving to the church? Am I giving? Am I going here so I can give or am I going so I can get? And if it's primarily to get, Again, I think getting should be secondary, shouldn't be primary, but it's about what can I give. And so a real good thing of, I think, um, uh, so like we're talking about bad stuff, like, you know, we don't like somebody, so we're going to leave the church. Yeah. Uh, abusive leadership, totally legit. If you want to leave the church, if, if, if a leader is abusive to you, then I think that's totally legit. Um, but I think a good, a good one would be um, if you found another church where their vision has completely like captivated you. Like their vision is like like you just you just align with it so much better than the church you're attending right now, then I think it's totally okay to leave the church, because our our so I don't think like we're 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 not called to be at one church for the rest of our life. I think like you know there's churches that we can attend, we grow, we give, we learn all that stuff, but then I think we can go and help other churches, you know, perhaps maybe serve and give there so that we can bless that congregation. I think like things like that. Um, is is actually a healthy thing, and I'm okay with that. And I think it's okay when we align with the vision of another church more so than ours. And it's like it excites us, and something within us just it gets us really excited. I think that is okay for us to leave the church. 
Okay. So I don't know. I don't know what you think about that. But for me, when somebody comes to me and says, you know what? I totally uh, resonate with this church. Uh, I just, you know, it's starting out, it's new or whatever, or it's been existing, but just with their passion for this or their passion for that, their vision, it just aligns so much with mine. I say, go for it. That's, you have my blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Because, you know, that is where I think God would want you to be, right? And because obviously when you connect with a vision, there's a lot of passion there. And so, yeah, I think I think we should have passion for the church. God wants us to have passion for the church. And so vision creates a lot of passion, especially when you align with it. So I think that's a really good, a good way uh, for us. But again, like when your vision doesn't align, when your uh, values or your theology doesn't align with the senior leadership of the church, then yeah, you should move on to another congregation. So, you know, and I think that's what you did too, because uh, it didn't really align with yours and, and you did that. The other thing I would say is the last thing I would say, the only other thing I would say is that weak leadership. When, well, you know, weak, like we're the weak pastor, but weak in the sense of like really relying it's on the strength case, of God. That's weak. good. Yeah, but bad leadership, I would say, like bad or incompetent leadership. Mm. Like a pastor, like I think we should give pastors a lot of leeway, right? Because we're just human beings, we're flawed and all that stuff as well. But if they continue to show, you know, uh, incompetent leadership, bad leadership over a long period of time, then I think it is time for you to leave because that pastor is obviously not doing anything to grow. He's not surrounding himself with other leaders to help him to grow. So he's actually, or she's actually staying very stagnant. And when somebody's that stagnant and they're not growing and they're not surrounding themselves with people to help them to grow and to learn, then they're never going to change. And so you're always going to constantly be frustrated with that kind of bad or incompetent What are leadership. some examples though of like something that you see when somebody is incompetent or displays like poor leadership? Like what are some things that you would see as like symptoms of that? Oh boy. Cuz it's like a very abstract thing. Like, you know, so, cuz I feel like I could look at a pastor and say, "Oh, that person is so competent." But maybe they're not. Like, what what do you mean when you say incompetent leadership? Because yeah, I mean, you you also said abusive, which is a completely different thing cuz yes. it's not always the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but I don't really know and I I only say this because I think the culture we live in is so quick to say something is abusive. It's or so yeah. quick to say something is incompetent. But I think there's a there's a line between something that's actually incompetent and something that we just don't agree with. Hundred yeah. percent. You know, like like so. Yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, no, I I agree. I agree. Okay, so I mean, I mean this that's such a loaded question because there's so many different ways and and how you know I can answer that or kind of approach it. Um, but I I do feel like number one, um, if depending on the size of the congregation, if the pastor um, doesn't uh, keep his like promises or says what he's going to do is going to do and he doesn't do it or she doesn't do it, that to me is a sign of just poor leadership because they're overcommitting themselves. They're saying, hey, we'll do this, we'll do that, we'll, we'll do this. I promise you, let's do this, let's get together. And all they say is yes to you all the time and then they're not following through. That to me is a sign of poor leadership, really poor leadership. Uh, because they're not following through. You can't really trust them if they're going to follow through uh, on that. That's that's one one way. The other way, the other thing that I would say is that if they're not uh, if they're not good at evangelizing or helping the church to grow in some capacity, reaching people, because the church should be a place where people are coming to know Jesus Christ and people should get baptized, right? People should come to know Jesus Christ at some level, or the people who've left the church come back. That should be what church is about. And so if the church is not growing in that way and the pastor is just very set and very 
sort of okay with where the church is right now, I think that's a sign of perhaps weak leadership because with uh, or, or, or incompetent leadership, they have to surround themselves then with people also to get learning and to get mentored and to see like what can they do to grow because obviously this this church you know that you ended up leaving Sua even though you didn't agree with the values but at some point this pastor probably got some learning and some teaching from other pastors where he learned and he learned how to grow a church where he can reach more people for Jesus Christ you know in some ways I think that's really good. But, you know, a pastor who is incompetent in that, I think, could be one of the reasons why you could say, you know what, I don't know if this is the right church for me. Otherwise, because if we're not reaching people for Jesus, then we're just a country club at the end of the day. And I don't know if as Christians, if we should be about just us, you know, if we're if we're, you know, a certain number and that's the number that we are OK with. And that's we're not going to we're not willing to grow outside of that. We don't care if we grow outside of that. I think that's a problem. I really do. Um, and I don't I don't think that's a good thing for us to be at. And I know that there are churches like that where they're just like, well, I I don't I, you know, I'm, we're just going to stay this size and that's fine. We don't want anyone else to come through. Then to me, that's not a church anymore. Church has to be a place where people are coming. They're coming to know Jesus Christ. They're getting they're, they're accepting Jesus as their one savior. And they're being invited into the community and to be a part of that. Church should also be a place where we're reaching people, caring for the least, the last, and the lost, and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I just think a past, pastor who really lacks vision um, is a real clear sign of maybe you should leave the church, perhaps, because that to me is incompetent leadership. Pastors should have a vision for the church. I don't I mean, know what you think. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think there's also, I mean, it's like one of those things, right? Like, unfortunately, when we say like, we've been doing the series on like, how do you know? And it, there, yeah. we just never have a great formula for how do you know? Because none of these things are black and white. Um, yeah, they're you know, not. Especially things like this that are like community oriented and relationship oriented. Like there, there's just no formula. It's different for everybody. Um, I, I mean, I think that you have to have like a Holy Spirit component to it because I think you do yeah. have to pray through it. And sometimes, you know, I mean, I I don't think this is common for everybody, but I'll just mention this because it's one of those like gray ones. Like when I used to be at a church in high school um, and I remember like it, it was a bit of a dysfunctional <laughs> church. Um, I like, I remember, I don't want to like attack any of the senior leadership, but it was a very dysfunctional church. Um, it yeah. was like a Korean immigrant church. It was a lot of dysfunction there. Um, like I remember one of my church teachers said to me like, he was very frustrated. Um, like he was my church teacher and he was very frustrated because he was like, you know, the senior pastor preached a sermon about the good Samaritan. And in his sermon, his point was that the good Samaritan, no, not good Samaritan, that the guy who got, you know, attacked was going downhill and that's why he got attacked and we need to live mm. an uphill life. Like that was the point of the sermon. And my teacher was so upset because he was like, that is literally not the point of the Good Samaritan story. Like he was like, this is poor theology. Like he was so upset. Mm. And so there's like a lot of stuff happening. But I remember yeah. we had another teacher um, and she was very spiritually like gifted, like, she, you know, and I remember oh, there was like this mass exodus from the church and she stayed. She stayed for years after that. But I remember her saying, God told me I can't leave. Like God said, this is your missions field, you need to stay. And I'm not saying that's for all of us, you know, but I do know there's a lot of gray where even if these things are happening, I mean, very, very rarely, but I think we do have to 
pray about it and we have to listen to the spirit and you know how does God speak to us sometimes not just like in elusive ways but like read the scripture so you know your theology I mean to be honest I think a lot of us are so and when I say critical I don't mean you should be critical of like a preacher's like quality of their communication. I'm talking about like, we should be critical of the theology in in the sense that we should be listening to it in a very present way, matching it to what we are learning in our own. Like, and I think a lot of the reasons why we don't know if, like, I don't even know if a lot of us even know what's theologically correct or not because we don't read like our Bibles. Like I'm going on a bit of a soapbox, but I was talking to, um, I I was talking to, um, my children's ministry like group. And I remember at Metro years ago, there was this whole initiative. We were trying to, you know, tell the parents at church, like Sunday should not be the place where your children get their majority of their spiritual learning, like your Bible learning, like the family should be where they get most of their spiritual teaching. We are in addition to you, not instead of, and I remember there was this whole initiative. And, and then as I was saying it, I realized like, But we do that as adults, too. I mean, you know, it's not just children. Like a lot of us still expect all of our spiritual teaching and biblical teaching to come on like a one and a half hour sermon or like worship service on a Sunday where the sermons are getting shorter and shorter, right? Because like people's attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. Mm -hmm. So do we really expect that we're going to be able to learn the word of God in its entirety and have the Holy Spirit speak to us to live our lives in a 30 minute TED Talk version of a Sunday sermon? I mean- I feel like that's a very unrealistic expectation. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, sorry, I have gone completely off course. But yeah. No, but you're right. Because that's secondhand spirituality. Basically, you're living off the spirituality of the pastor and you can't be doing that. Right. Because you want to be able to have your own spiritual relationship with God and you want to make sure that you're cultivating that. And whatever the pastor preaches on a Sunday could be supplemental. Sometimes it can be a little bit catalytic to maybe launch you into a place where you want to get closer to Jesus Christ. But it should never be the only thing that helps you to understand what the Bible is all about. I mean, you you need to be reading it in community, maybe studying it. You can learn it on a Sunday as well. And so I think that's really important. But all I would say is this, like, listen, like, like I think, Sue, you said it well. Uh, Give your pastors a lot of slack because we're just broken, flawed people. Um, but at the same time, I don't think there's really like, what is some incompetent signs that, that that should force you to say I should leave the church? But I think because you have the spirit living inside of you, you should know um, if a pastor is really equipped to do this or not. And and I think, you know, be in a place of prayer. And if you feel like this pastor does not have the leadership abilities to grow or nor is willing to put themselves in a position to learn and grow from other leaders, then it's going to be tough, I think, to be a part of a church like that. And I can, I can, I feel like I could, I could be okay. Or at least I, if my daughters would come to me and say, Hey, I'm going to another church and here's what I'm really struggling with. I, I, I would be comfortable saying, you know what? I think it's okay for you to leave that church then, you know, uh, because the, the pastor is exemplifying some weekly, a lot of, you know, improper or uh, bad leadership in the church. Um, I think a pastor who does way too much and is involved in too many different things and has too much super control over everything that's happening or every ministry that's happening, I think that's that's weakly, that's bad leadership in some ways. And so I think we have to be careful and see that somebody who's a micromanager, I think, is a real tough thing as well. So anyway, that's just some thoughts that I have. But uh, but I do feel like there are some reasons where you can say, okay, I think it is time, and I think they're legitimate reasons. But I think um, there are also a lot of illegitimate reasons for you to uh, leave the church that I hope that we would stop doing. So, 
Yeah. So just to sum up, I think, you know, just so that we can just bring this to a close is that I think we said abusive leadership. That's probably a reason of you saying, okay, I should be the church. And I think that's a legit reason. Um, your vision doesn't align, align anymore with that church anymore. That is another reason for you to leave that church. Um, the values don't align. Theology values don't align with the, with the pastor or the pastor pastoral staff. I think that's another one. And potentially bad leadership. Bad, bad leadership that's represented amongst the leadership of the church. Not just the pastors, but maybe the elders as well. And I think that could be very toxic and that could really uh, hurt and damage the church. So, um, so, yeah, maybe it's not just the pastor because there are a lot of churches where the pastors don't have the power, the uh, lay leaders have more power than the pastors do. And that, to me, is a very dangerous recipe, I think, for the future of a church when when uh, the pastor has to be the sheep and, uh, and not the shepherd. I think that's a real dangerous place. So, yeah, so I, that, those are some, some suggestions that, uh, that, that I think we would give. Hopefully that's helpful. If it's not, then you know, um, I, I hope that you would forget what we just talked about today. <laughs> but uh, ho hopefully it'll help you a little bit as you're sort of engaging. But my, ho my greatest hope is that you would really want to be fully committed to the church in which you belong to and give all of yourself there and go there to give, not to get. That would be my greatest hope for all of you. So any, any other thoughts you have before we close this out? Yeah, very quickly. Um, you know, as I've been, as I've been reading the Bible... <laughs> So like, but I've been reading my Bible and um, I've been reading a lot of books and, you know, there's such an emphasis on the church, like Jesus loving yeah. the church. And I think I've mentioned this before, but I'm really shifting my understanding of what Jesus has done from saying it to, from like, Jesus did this for me to Jesus did this for the church. And I'm saying church, capital C church. I'm not saying yeah. Jesus died for a metro community church yeah, or yeah, like yeah, vineyard, yeah. The church. you know, but I'm talking yeah. about the church, but yeah. you know, the body of believers. Yeah. Um, and it's been such a interesting shift for me in like seeing it that way. Um, I guess, you know, I guess my point and you can agree or disagree with me is I think we need to understand that the church is so important, like being part of a community of like a physical. And I want to say physical yeah. community because there's yes. something magical that happens when you're physically together and you're constantly having to see each other, even though you're annoyed at somebody and you constantly have to just keep seeing them in Korean. There's this idea of like, right? Like, even if you hate them, if you just keep mm. seeing them, you develop a certain affinity for them. Huh. Um, and I think it's something like very interesting that happens when even if you are annoyed with somebody, you just physically just being with them together will develop a certain level of like, affinity with each other. Um, mm. But I also think, you know, like I said earlier, there is a certain emphasis, like you do have to do your own part, like you have to have your own walk with God. And I think that actually frees you up to be able to see the church for what it can do and not put all these expectations mm. on the church that it cannot do for you, that only you can do with God. Mm. I don't know if this is making sense. Like if, if you're able to receive daily, like the grace and mercy of God and love and forgiveness of God every day on your own, you are not going to have to go on Sunday and put all of that on a one and a half hour sermon or one and yeah. a half hour worship sermon that you cannot get. Because I think sometimes there's this, we feel this separation of like what we think we should be getting from God and then what we don't get on church Sunday. Mm. And we say, well, it's not feeding me. It's not giving me what I need. But a yeah. lot of times that's not the church is unable. It's not designed to give you all of that. A lot of it should be happening between you and God on the daily. Yeah. You're supposed to be able to experience this worship as a corporate body on Sundays. So maybe start with reevaluating like what does church mean to you? And what is your expectation of the church? Because maybe mm. the reason why you're struggling might also be that 
you're expecting the church to be able to give you things that God wants to give you on the daily, just between your intimate moments with yeah. Jesus. So, you know, that's, I think, yeah, you know. You know, I, I'll just say one thing, Sue, because when you asked me, like, what are some signs of bad leadership in a pastor yeah. or incompetency? Like, that kind of threw a curveball at me, and I was trying to think on the, I was just thinking on the go, like, on the fly, like, here are some things. And, you know, realizing, like, I probably said some things that maybe would be very insensitive to some pastors if they're listening today, and, and I just want to apologize for that. And as I think about this, and as, as, as I'm thinking about that question you asked me, more and more, I, I can only really think of, like, one major thing that to me is a sign of bad leadership in a pastor. So whatever I said before, you can kind of disregard Scratch all it. of it because I, I was just kind of thinking on the fly, you know, but I do think a pastor that's not surrounding themselves with other pastors that are better than them is a real sign of bad leadership. I do, I do really, I stand by that. But the one thing I will say that that represents bad leadership in a pastor is when a pastor avoids conflicts. Mm. That to me is a really bad sign. And that's kind of in line with, with um, what your pastor did in, in North Carolina. He just wanted to avoid conflicts. He just didn't know what to do because he didn't want to be in conflicts anymore about what he was preaching on Sundays. But when a pastor avoids conflicts and they don't address it, address it with the leaders in the church, address it with other parishioners, and they, they in many ways don't address that, to me, that's real bad leadership. And I think that is a good, a clear sign of saying maybe, maybe not clearly you should leave, but maybe you should really think and pray through the guidance of God and the Holy Spirit of whether you should leave the church or not. Because mm -hmm. when a pastor avoids conflict, um, they're doing that because there's a deep woundedness or an insecurity in their own part that they can't handle. And when that happens, then the church becomes very unhealthy. And when a church is sort of, in, when the top leadership are constantly avoiding conflicts with one another, then and it's really unhealthy because in order for leadership to be healthy, we have to be able to work through the conflicts. And so I think that's a big one. That That's probably the only thing I would say is that uh, that to me is a sign of real bad leadership in a pastor and church leaders is when they avoid conflicts and try to sweep it under the rug, pretending it doesn't exist. To me, that is really bad. That's bad leadership. So anyway, uh, I know you guys might have a lot of thoughts, any questions, any comments, feel free to share that. We'd love to hear from you. You can get our information at weekpastor.org. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. So thank you so much for listening. And we hope that you'll join us next week on a brand new episode. So take care. Bye-bye.